Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Fired up. I am fired up. I gotta cover my moss. Ooh, he's got so, a GB hat. Woo, yeah. dude. I got some new swag. Got my own logo. Yeah. That's, Check out G Bizzle. Wow, G Bizzle. G Bizzle. You got that for golf? Yeah, like everyone's like, oh, I like the logo on your hat. Where'd you get that? Oh, no. It's just, I, yeah, I, I guess I come in from a Weddle Tuttle guy. I have a Weddle yeah. Tuttle shirt. I'm making fun of you. So. Well, and I one up you. So I went, okay, you got the shirt, I got the lid now. And I've just, thought, I mean, magically created my own logo. So there you go, yeah, GB. That's sweet. Yeah, Woo. the bizzle in the house. And I've also survived 2020. I don't know if these are on the market, but they've got Believe It through the uh, one of the zeros. But uh, mm. I hope I don't have to get one for 2021. <laughs> well, hopefully you actually do survive 2021. I was going to say, another story, that's exactly You don't right. need a shirt that says it. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to get COVID because it's on my shirt. Great. Anyways, we got a good podcast. This is the Bleacher Blums podcast brought to you by uh, St. Arnold and WSM CBD. You can go to World's Strongest Man CBD and check out their products. Uh, again, that's WSMCBD.com. Great partners with them. We've got some baseball news, actually, some protocols coming out with the COVID and actual scheduling. I know much to the shock of my co-host, David Tuttle. Uh and something we're going to talk about a little bit later is something that may have kept him in the game a little bit longer. They're trying to deaden the baseball. So there's some interesting numbers on that. And then maybe if we have time, we'll get to the Super Bowl talk. I think Tuttle's got something to say like he usually does and maybe even a blast at the end for myself. But for the time being, you can see that Tuttle is wearing red. Now, Bleacher Blums, if you go to bleacherblums.com, you can't find a Valentine shirt. And that might be executive decision on my part, maybe a little bit of Tuttle too, because I think we're in agreement on some of these things. But for me, Valentine's Day that is coming up, and you might be listening to this on Valentine's Day, which I hope not. It might mean you're a little bit lonely or you've got some weird fetishes with your significant other that you're listening to the Bleacher Blums podcast. I dread Valentine's Day, week, whatever it is. For a myriad of reasons, but I'm going to ask Tuttle your opinion. Am I an idiot or am I insensitive? Am I not romantic? Uh, Do I need to make the adjustment? What do you got? How is it in your household? Blummer, hello. I uh, so I I mean, I guess we're going to have to wait and find out what your dread and what your like why you're ornery about Valentine's Day, and then I think we can make (laughs) some decisions. I mean, there there are some things about Valentine's Day that are not. I mean, I think it's interesting. Let me just, let me jump here. The kids are like, oh yeah, Thanksgiving. Oh, and then Christmas. Yeah. And then they're like, what's next? New Year's. Okay. Valentine's Day. Like, I'm like, how does, you know, Easter, well, Easter is a little bit different. St. Patrick's Day is the other one. So oh, St. Patrick's cool. Day and Valentine's Day are squoze in there between Easter and New Year's. And it's <clears> kind of <throat> like, it was like, there were a couple months where we didn't have a holiday. So we, we, we've, you know, created this Hallmark holiday. Um, I think it does just set you up for uh, either disappointment or (laughs) disappointment (laughs) from your significant other in you, right? There's, it's like, if everything goes the way it's, (laughs) if everything goes the way it's supposed to go, um, you, you're fine. You know, you're whatever, you're even keel, your status quo. 
if walking everything, rope. yeah, that's right. If it doesn't go the way you're supposed to go, you're down in the dungeon. Um, but there is no, there is no, like, I don't know. Yeah, there there's is no, no there's no, yeah. yeah. You you're either just, you fine. Can't just skate by. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you, you either skate by or you're in the dungeon and that's that, you know, prison and that just shouldn't be. So yeah. You want to give us some, why is that an option on Valentine's? Yeah. You shouldn't be in the doghouse on Valentine's. I mean, if you show any, unless you just blatantly forget about it, it's like forgetting an anniversary. If you forget that, then you're in the doghouse. Anniversary and birthdays. Like if you forget those, you're, yeah, yeah, you're an idiot. But if you show any kind of effort on Valentine's, you should get credit for it. And you, and you basically just uh, named one of the major issues that I have with it is the timing of February 14th. Who, who decided that February 14th, the beginning of the year is going to be, uh, you know, Valentine's day. And why, I don't know. And why is it? Because Valentine's is a big deal, but it, but at the same time, like you said, it could have a negative impact. So I think we should just eliminate it altogether and just say happy love day or something like that. And just show some love to your neighbor a friend, your your dog, whatever it is, and just be nice to people instead of have, being forced to profess your love for one day out of the year. You should be doing this for 365, man. That's right. So Love day and being nice to your neighbor. Like I, I'm with you on that. The other thing, yeah. I mean, I, you should run this by your household. You only have like five women in there. Let's see how they, yeah. let's see the how only, they. The only, time, the only time I'm not treading water in the estrogen ocean is during this podcast i can actually that's, take right. my floaties that's a great off. point <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna give them a call and just see hey you know we talked about some things on the podcast what do you think about eliminating <laughs> i think you're definitely the minority in your house yeah. especially as your girls start getting yeah. showered with gifts and you know lovely items well, from their suitors yeah so, well that's okay oh man that's a whole nother piece of this onion um let me start with let me start on the wife's side so let me ask you a question let's hypothetically say that you just had your 20th anniversary and you went hypothetically body, yeah like somebody on this show has and it was february i mean it was january 27th and now you've got february 14th anything i any well sorry anything you would do in that hypothetical situation is not going to match what happened on your 20th anniversary. So, so what's the point? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm with you, but, but you just hit 20. We're at 19. This is our 19th year. So when you make it 19 and 20 years, like you said, like what, whatever you're going through, I think it's interesting because of the, I mean, suppose somebody like Valentine's day isn't just for people that have been married 20 years. I mean, I guess unless you're going to get flummoxed or pummeled, (laughs) <laughs> then you're 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 in a tougher tougher spot, but you know, I mean, I, Valentine's Day is definitely for the young couples. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that nurturing love and you know the professing of love. Yeah, you get kind of past that point when you get to 19, 20 years of marriage, yeah. and, and you focus on other things. But the yeah. the the topic you brought up before I went into that about my wife, it, it kind of relates to something we talked about. I think two or three podcasts ago about the DPS. Mm. The uh, dating protection yeah. service that we wanted to yeah. offer by trailing yeah. your, your, your child around with That's whoever right. they're dating, because right. this is going to be, I, I'm, this is, this is really interesting for me because I've got four girls, two are dating. So there's going to be two Valentine's gifts that I'm competing Ooh. with. And then I've got two singles that I've got to kind of build up and say, Hey, everything's going to be okay. You'll be yeah. fine. It's You're going to get all this stuff. gifts next year. From yeah. Somebody. Yeah. I'll always be your Valentine, honey. And then they'll give you that mm. gross dad look like. Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But uh, that's kind of the scenario I'm in here at uh, 2021's Valentine's Day. 
I like it. I mean, without getting too deep into it, I'm, I'm not a huge Hallmark holiday fan, but we're all guilty of like participating. So it's kind of like the only way not to participate, participate would be able to get all the dudes to be like, all right, we're all in this together. We're not gonna, you know, and that's yep. not going to happen. So um, I will say similar to, I, it reminds me of the honeymoon. We went to uh, Tahiti for our honeymoon and I don't know if you ever saw that you're you and I are similar age, but the um, the lonely guy with Steve Martin, where he's like mm -hmm. table for one, <laughs> table for one. Every table, I don't know why it reminded me, because you're not lonely on your honeymoon, but every table that you went to is a table for two. There were not like families on <laughs> nope. vacation at this resort. It was like there's a table for two over here, or a table for two over here, or there is a table for two over here. And you're like, well, that's Valentine's day. And they're like, oh yeah, you can go with the uh, prefix menu. The prefix menu is only $275 per person. Per. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> and then that that's how you make dinner. up for not having a party of four at that table. Yeah, and you, you go out <laughs> to that same dinner for five, uh, um, uh, February 15th. And they're like, oh yeah, that steak, that's $27.95. You're like, all right, whatever. I, yeah. Last night I was here, it was two seventy five, and you gave me a couple of shot glasses of wine on the side. Like, wait a second, <laughs> I am totally confused. <laughs> anyway, hey Blummer, let me jump to uh, last oh. podcast. We brought up, we brought up the fact that we're going to bring the mailbag back, and we actually got yeah. two two emails. And we love our fans, man. Go to bleacherblums.com, click on that mailbag, and let us know. I'm glad people responded. Thank you. Yeah, they did. And and not only did they respond, I mean, I realized it was a short, short sighted on um, our part to just, you know, let them sit there because I think, you know, the longer you let those emails sit there, <laughs> they're not like a fine wine. Yeah, the, the people they, they they lose context, they lose, uh, I guess, not credibility, uh, credibility from our end, because we can't talk about something that happened five weeks ago. But also, um, you know, they stop writing, you know, they're like, well, I didn't get that one read. I didn't get that one read. They're not talking about it. So we're back to the uh, Bleacher Blums mailbag. And I wanted to say this one's from Landy. Landy has written many times before. Thank you, um, Landy. Yep. Glad to hear y'all are opening y'all. See, that's what I hey. miss most about the mailbag. There you go. You learn Wee. new words and uh, grammar. Right. <laughs> yeah. Glad. Grammar is awesome. Glad to hear y'all are opening the mailbag back up on the topic of traffic lights, which I believe I brought up in what <laughs> Tuttle say last time. Am I the only one that feels a certain responsibility when I'm first in line at the traffic light? I feel like I'm waiting for the light to turn green like I'm in a drag race. <laughs> and it's my job to get as many cars through the traffic light as possible. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's this guy. Yeah. So I would say, just to jump on Landy's point, I would say that should be a universal feeling. But in this day and age of like cell phones, it is not a universal feeling. I feel like that. Oh, no. I feel like it all the time. I feel like, oh, don't be looking around. Like I'm at a light. Like when the light goes, I got to go. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm ready. I'm in the drag race. But similar to those people that are asleep at the wheel at 5, 5.30 in the morning, I mean, there's always that dude in front of the line going like something. And then you're like, eh, you know. Oh, remember, when it, yeah. remember when it used to be a beep, beep to kind of oh, like, yeah. hey, let's yeah. go. Now it's yeah. just a full on. <laughs> I, I still use the doot, doot. But, you know, here's the other thing just to, and this is why this is a great, thank you, Landy, for, uh, for getting us fired up on this topic too. But, uh, it's great that you're uh, you're back in the mailbag and we promised that we would read some and uh, let's keep them coming. I would say that um, 
the other thing for me now is this is the Murphy's law side of it is that you're aware, <laughs> but I love being like, say you're the fifth guy back and the first guy goes, second guy goes, third guy goes and the guy in front of you doesn't go. And you're uh -huh. like three car lengths from the light and they don't go and you're thinking they're going to notice. So this gives you a little more time. It's not first and second in line. You're like, Oh, they're going to notice. Yeah. Oh, they're going to, Oh no, they didn't notice. Uh, and then you're like having some doubt. And so you give them the dint dint and they look up and they go, Oh, and they floor it and they make it through the yellow. And you just Son creep up. up, you creep up like four spots and you're the first one in line now. And now you got the drag race mentality and you're like, <laughs> I miss that light. And that guy, you know, and you just got to let that go. So I'm, actually, I'm pretty good at letting that one go, but that's when I feel worse is when <laughs> you're kind of like four back and you give them the doot doot and they make the light and you don't. And you're like, Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's frustrating. Because <laughs> yeah. you have the anxiety of wondering if you're going to make the light. You don't make the light. And then, like no. you said, or like Landy yeah. said, you've got the pressure of being, you know, the, the, yeah. the lead car, the pace car. <laughs> the pace car for the driver. <laughs> oh, so good. All right. On a baseball uh, topic, we uh, have an email from Aaron. And this is the last email we're, we'll read today. But again, super excited to have the mailbag back in uh, back in the mix here. Hey, fellas, listening to the pod last week and during uh, the Hall of Fame part of the conversation was wondering what your thoughts were on the candidacy of one Jeff Kent, also a Cal Bear alumni. Go Bears. Um, he, yeah, go Bears. He came to mind when you mentioned Barry Bonds and not being particularly friendly towards the media. He had premier power numbers for his traditionally defensive position. I don't even know if that's a traditionally defensive position anymore, but traditionally over the 200 years of baseball, um, at which he was not good defensively, which also gets held against him. Uh, maybe he'll go in as a first baseman. Um, any, any candidates that <laughs> fell, fell off the ballot recently that you thought were particularly deserving any of the non-PED associated players currently on the ballot that current that currently, uh, he said currently twice, uh, currently on the ballot that look like long shots that you find deserving. So I, I think it's a it's a well thought out email. It's nice. I know uh, Blummer. You know we're at podcast one ten now or one oh nine or something, but uh, we did discuss these guys before. I know mm -hmm. we've touched on Jeff Kent, but I'd love to kind of re rehash that or relive it because I don't think much has changed yeah. since that time. No, I agree, and I, I mean I've always been a Jeff Kent fan, and you know it's obvious that you know going back to Cal days, I missed him by a couple years at Cal. Everybody thinks that we went to school together, but. He's got me by, I think, about three, two or three years. So I missed him. But, you know, it would be great to have him in. And he did have a bad relationship with the media. But there's one guy that everybody, you know, as far as second basemen are concerned, I think one guy who's a really good comp or comparison for him is Ryan Sandberg. And I think his numbers are, his home run numbers are better. His RBI numbers might be better. And if you're going off defense, which I don't think the Hall of Fame really, it does take into account a little bit, but I don't, I think it's more of an offensive, you know, Hall of Fame or pitching mm -hmm. uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Jeff Kent should be in if you, if you go according to that. And is the Hall of Fame, so here's another, another question that kind of comes up with the Jeff Kent question. Is the Hall of Fame the best players of all time in one place, but can you exclude maybe the best offensive player at that position during, you know, during his career? And I think that's where Jeff Kent kind of falls for a lot of people is yes, he was the, probably the, he, he, I think he was, I looked at some of the numbers. I don't have them off the top of my head, but if you took the off best offensive second baseman and don't put him in the hall of fame, that's Jeff Kent. 
should he be in because of the position or should he be in because he was as good as he was overall? That's a great question. I mean, Joe Morgan was my favorite second baseman watching him play. And, oh, but uh, he, you know, I feel like he was a different level, though. I mean, he yeah. was like that true five-tool guy, you know, the doubles, the, the home runs, the stealing the bases and the defense. Yeah, that's what's funny. It gets lost as yeah. we get generations away from that, you know, even in <laughs> the 70s where they played at Riverfront Stadium, you know, they didn't play in a bandbox. And Joe Morgan, I mean, it helped that he was on such a fantastic team. And, guys and had he played a lot down. in the Astrodome, too, man. A lot of people forget yeah. about that. That's right, he did. But Joe Morgan's a fantastic player, and maybe he is the like the benchmark. I said this mm-hmm. last time, and it wasn't my idea. It was either Bob Costas, I think. But mm-hmm. he said, you know, you could have different floors, different levels. You know, you yeah, can true. have Henry Aaron and Joe Morgan on the, you know, in the penthouse. And then you could have, you know, guys on the third floor and the second floor. And I think somebody else said this this last week. Like, we get all wrapped up in, like, whether these guys are or they aren't. You know, O.J. Simpson is in the uh, National Football League Hall of Fame. So, I mean, they didn't go in there and, like, rip O.J. Simpson out. I mean, like, you know, there are guys that have done terrible things that are still, Amongst you know, all the and, steroid guys they have in that Hall of Fame. Just Correct. Saying. Yeah, yeah, true. So my point is, is it's, I always feel like it's that gut thing, right? And that, that's where we're getting with the media, sports hype, and all the stuff these days. Is we get away from the gut. We're like, what are the numbers? You know, he had 7,000 home runs, but he had, you know, he only played second base some of the time. He played first base, like... Is Jeff mm-hmm. Kent a Hall of Famer based on when he played and who he played against? I mean, I would, I actually have to defer to the experts on that because he wasn't, yeah. um, I did watch him play question. in the Bay Area. And, but yeah, he wasn't, I mean, playing on a team with Barry Bonds, it's kind of the same thing as like playing when Michael Jordan or Kobe or LeBron played. Like, you know, I watched Bradley Beal on the highlights there tonight. Like, dude, Bradley Beal is a hell of a basketball player. Um, but, you know, it's like being a point guard in the West. Like, <laughs> Only three guys can make the all-star team. And so if yep. you never make any all-star games, you know, and you're the fifth best point guard in the West, I mean, are you a Hall of Famer or not? I mean, Jeff Kent played on some pretty damn good teams, and he was definitely overshadowed by Barry Bonds. But Barry Bonds mm-hmm. is arguably, steroids or not, one of the best players, you know, top three players of all time, certainly yeah. hitter-wise. So, I, I mean, that I know that's asking more questions than it's answering. But, but that's I what it does. Jeff that's the beauty Kent, of it. Yeah, and I think Jeff Kent is in that, like, Kurt Schilling category for me, which yeah. is, you know, he's kind of mm. in there, but some people don't, you know, like him. He was a little ornery to the writers. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's where he fits for me. Mm. And, you know, if he gets in, then obviously he deserves it. But I don't know if there's going to be, like, picket lines out front, like, Jeff Kent no. should be in. He should be in. So... No, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm a Jeff Kent fan. Still am. Uh, I've, I've had the opportunity yeah. to create a good friendship with him. But that being said, the second part of the question is any of those underdog guys who didn't make it in this year, maybe make it in later. Um, I, I think it's a shame that you know, I don't know if Todd Helton is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's going to get in. Billy Wagner. I don't understand how that dude's not in the Hall of Fame with the numbers he's put up. They're ridiculous in comparison to every other reliever in the Hall of Fame. Um, and then the, the here. But here's my guy. Here, here is a guy, ah, and everybody thinks Scott Rowland and, and a guy like that, but Scott Rowland had a teammate with Philadelphia when we were all coming up together, and I had a chance to play against Scott Rowland a ton, and I got a chance to play against this guy. He played right field for the Phillies, Bobby Abreu. Mm. What, he, he was probably the, the purest, most tr- true five-tool player that I played against. Now, I played with Vladdy Guerrero, so I, I say he's the best I played with. 
But as far as the guy I played against that I, I thoroughly enjoyed after I got, I, I got tired of getting upset at him for getting a hit every, every stinking day and stealing bases and things like this, uh, was Bobby Abreu. I thought he was one of the purest left-handed hitters uh, I, I played against. Um, he did everything well. If you hit a ball to right field, he was going to chase it down and catch it. If he didn't, he was going to throw you out at the next base. And then uh, he was one of those, you know, he was one of those guys that didn't have to work at being a high on base percentage guy. He just, he had great at bats, spit on some pitches. And I also looked up some of his numbers. He had nine, nine seasons of 2020, 20 uh, home runs, 20 stolen bases, and doesn't get talked about. And I think he, he even had a 30, 30 years. So my sneaky wild card getting into the hall of fame for me personally, uh, Bobby Abreu. I like it. I, I had the, uh, misfortune and we'll get to this with the dead ball um <laughs> of playing my first year and I was a little older I was 21 or 22 21 my draft year so my first foray into the uh Sally League the South Atlantic League uh was Charleston West Virginia and we got to go up to Asheville North Carolina beautiful uh Asheville and there was a 17 18 year old left uh switch hitter for the uh for the Astros organization there named Bobby Abreu and I mean, he looked young, baby face, and like that kid stood in the box. He was batting like two hole or three hole as an eighteen year old, mm-hmm. you know, and just you know, he had it. Whatever. This it is amazing is, how much crossover about. we have with guys we played against. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I didn't but, even set you up for this. No, no, no. But he was, you know, but he was, he was, you know, two or three years younger, and I had come from college and all this stuff, and you could just tell the guy had it. And you know, you played him throughout mm-hmm. the season, and you heard about him, and you watch him progress. Obviously, he got bigger and stronger. But, uh, but I would agree with you. I mean, they had him in, as an 18 year old, they had him in right field batting like two hole or three hole. So that'll tell you in professional baseball, what the expectations are. Beltran was like that. I remember when I went to Puerto Rico for winter ball. Another good comparison too. Carlos Beltran was like middle of the order switch hitter. Like, you know, and you're like, how old is this guy? And he's playing with all these guys that are 28, 29, 30. And he was like 22 and he was right Mm -hmm. in there with them. So both those guys, I I would agree. Bray is a great one. Um, kind of interesting because we didn't intend necessarily on having a big hall of fame conversation, but because the super bowl was on and they had the nominees, um, uh, Calvin Johnson got in Megatron got in and they went through his numbers on a show I was listening to where he had, um, five, uh, five pro bowls and three all pros. Um, but Tony Baselli, who's a lineman from USC, Tony Baselli had five, uh, pro bowls and three, uh, all pros and he didn't get in. And it's really interesting because this just continues to foster the debate and the point. I'm not just trying to throw a wrench in this, but the same thing I said Mm -hmm. about Kent. I mean, who did you play with? Right. Kent was overshadowed by Barry Bonds and then your position, you know, Abreu was just kind of humble and he went about his job and like Tony Baselli and Calvin Johnson, essentially, I mean, aside from touchdowns and stuff have very similar (laughs) numbers, right? That's similar numbers. But everybody knows Megatron and Tony Baselli. Like, wasn't he a lineman for, I think, Jacksonville, Jacksonville or yeah. I don't know, you know. So so there is that equation that you could throw in as well. But I, I think Bobby mm-hmm. Abreu, um, certainly a quiet, consistent force in any lineup that he played in. And the numbers that you brought up, like nine years of 2020, I, I mean, you know, those things get overshadowed. So I don't know how many total hits he ended up with, right? That 3,000 is still kind of a hard yeah. marker. But 2,500 hits, you know, something like that. I don't know if he played long enough to get there, but um, he, he's, he'd certainly be a viable candidate. 
Yeah, it's interesting to talk about Hall of Fame numbers because we talk about offensive guys hitting a lot of home runs and those, you know, getting 3,000 hits, getting 500 home runs, get you in. Gary Sheffield is a guy who's not in the Hall of Fame, has 500-plus home runs, which is interesting because I read an article in The Athletic by Eno Saris and Ken Rosenthal. And there's a line in there that kind of that came out. Ken Rosenthal, your favorite, I know. Yeah, everybody's favorite. Uh, There's a line in there. And it, it literally says, ball will be less bouncy because of loosened wool. <laughs> so that we are talking about the adjustments. We talked about, oh, man, you know, podcasts ago about how the live ball era in 2019 came back in the playoffs in 2020. The balls wound tighter. There's, there's a set, The core is a little more centered, so it, ro- it rotates a little bit uh, more efficiently. There's less drag on the baseball. And the baseball was flying out. And we found out later that Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, made the adjustment to the baseball, made it a little more livelier. Now we are hearing that baseball is going to deaden the baseball by loosening the wool to make it less bouncy. Tuttle, I know who on this podcast is greatly in favor of this. I would say yay. But I will also <laughs> if say you were still throwing. Boo. I'm not pitching anymore. Where the hell was this? Where the hell Tiny. was this 20 years ago? Golly, <laughs> like we could have used this 20 years ago. Um, you know the question I have when you said that because the way you uh, articulated it was great because we have talked about on this podcast that Rawlings, kind of behind the scenes with a you know an LLC corporation like Major League Baseball purchased Rawlings and then. Yeah, it's not really Rawlings, but we're going to change the baseball. And we, I remember some quotes from like uh, Verlander and some other guys like, oh, oh, man, they they changed the baseball. That would have been nice to know. Um, <laughs> but but the funny thing is similar to uppers and downers. It's kind of like if your equilibrium's here and you feel like, oh, I need an upper and a downer. And now your equilibrium's here. Like, so how lively did they make the ball and how much are they going to deaden it? I mean, are we talking about going back to the original baseball or are we yeah. talking that, are we still going to be, you know, like the stamp meter, right? Are we still going to be three notches above the median? Like I have, I have no idea. So we haven't we established the control. We right. don't have a median. <laughs> no. So, you know, I mean, move the mound back. They talked about that or do the Bob Gibson, <laughs> right? When he threw the, the 1.12 ERA the year they oh, raised the mound. The mound. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think as always, right, we temper our, ourselves and our expectations. I mean, as a pitcher, yeah. I mean, the ball, I mean, I don't want that thing flying. And, and from a safety <laughs> perspective, we've talked about golf. Um, That's another good point. Too, that nobody, that nobody will talk about that. No, I mean, if they make that thing too bouncy, then you wonder, like, there is a certain amount of reaction time you have, and you know this from a hitter. Like, now these guys were throwing 94, 95, 96, 97. Now we've got Chapman and four other dudes throwing 100, 101, mm-hmm. 102. Like, you only have so long to duck out of the way. So <laughs> if that's the case, I mean, same with the pitcher, right? Ball off yeah. the bat. You guys you are know, 52 feet away when you're done. Yeah, you're done, but you also know how quickly you can react and you've done it year over year over year. True. So I, I think that that's, that's another thing to consider, obviously, it would be the safety. So deadening the ball could help uh, the pitchers uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. But I also do think baseball has kind of gone back to um, not days of yore, but, you know, your lineups are a little more um, uh 
varied, right? You got your speed guys at the top, you got your boppers in the middle, you got your defensive guys in there now, and, you know, you got good pitching and, you know, you look at how this guy plays defense, whereas, you know, steroid era for sure. It was like, how many 50 home run guys can we jam in this lineup? <laughs> you know, especially when we don't, we didn't have, we, we still have uh, no DH in the uh, uh, national league at that time. So I, I just think the game is changing and the ball and the mound and the equipment can evolve with it. But back to my original point, like, I don't know deadening the ball, like where, like you said, where's the control and what does that really mean? Yeah, that's what I'm curious about, too. And you know what? That's something that they're going to track throughout the course of the season. Uh, and I believe this is all an effort by Major League Baseball to make the game more appealing by having the ball put in play and having plays be made as opposed to balls flying 30 feet, you know, 30 feet over the fence and where guys have no chance. Uh, so hopefully I do hope in that sense that it does create a little more of a strategic game instead of just a drop and drives like Tuttle is talking about with these lineups that can just be stacked. But here's, here's some numbers that were in that article that actually, and it's kind of funny to me how the Korean baseball organization, the KBO, has really become, you know, the, the, the Petri dish for Major League Baseball, you know, more or less. That it's really been a kind of a lab environment where I don't know who's in coordination, but Korea says, hey, we'll try that. We'll do that. And they actually tried playing last season with the dead in baseball. And there's some interesting facts that came out of it. The first one for me was, you know, you talked about, or you talked about the, the people. Make sure laugh, to the, the home run leader, three home runs. In know, could you imagine? Like, just right, kill it. Like, whoops, that might've been too much. <laughs> um, but the Korean baseball, and I, can, I can't even imagine what this would do to pitchers, it was actually a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier. So that might have affected the way pitching went after it. But they've actually got statistical numbers that I'm going to throw out at you right now. Uh, between 2019, where they had the live ball, and 2020, where they had the dead ball, um, they saw a 14% drop in slugging percentage, which is considerable. You go from seven, what, 750, 750 down to, you know, 730, 35 maybe. Um, but then the one that really kind of jumped at me was home runs were actually cut by a third. So mm -hmm. a third less home runs in that season. And I think that's the basis of what Major League Baseball is going to work towards is finding a way to have that same, same effect as for slugging and home runs but not, not lose the, the weight and size of that baseball, I think is what they're going for. So home run leaders last year, let's say, well, last year is a bad example. So 162 game season now. The yeah, home you can go leaders, and say 2019. I think they had, yeah. according to that article, like, I think they had was, that dead ball it, in 2019. Yeah, was that Cruz then? At like Somebody had like 47 for the Twins or was it 50? What, what are the numbers well, we're looking if at? You, so, if you go, this was in Korea. I don't know. I mean, I know Cruz had, uh, somebody had 52 a, a couple of years ago. And yeah. then uh, 47, yeah. you know, Stanton's out there. Okay. Uh, Judge yeah. had 50 his rookie year, you know, plus yeah. on his season. So, so just I mean, it's like saying the league leader in 2018 in Korea had 30 home runs. The next year, the league leader only had 20. Yeah, yeah. So I just did. So 50 home runs reduced by a third gets you about 33 home runs. Um, I think That's it's considerable. They, yeah, but I think, I mean, again, they'll change the pay structure and the contracts. They're still going to be the best players. <laughs> yeah. But my thought is, and I'm not, it's not based. I mean, this is where the numbers become too much. Like either you're playing baseball the right way or you're not, and you're just playing with the equipment they give you. 
but I think a third sounds like pretty hefty, which is your point. I think, I think a 15% or 20% somewhere in there, meaning if mm-hmm. you're going to hit 50 home runs and you hit 41 or 42, just because you didn't hit it as clean or because the ball didn't travel as far. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why that number stands out to me. I, I think you certainly don't want to change the game so much. Could you imagine going from 50 home runs to 28 oh. home runs based on the ball? You know, you're still centering mm-hmm. the ball. You're still doing stuff that could also affect your batting average, right? Because many of the, and, home and runs the amount of not, runs your team scores. Yeah, that's right. They're not gappers. It's not like all those home runs are going to turn into doubles and you're going to be like 28 home runs and 28 doubles. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. That left fielder that goes back to the wall and watches it go over his head. He's can. So yep. yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting thing that they're trying to do. And like I said, I'm all for it from a pitcher's perspective, but again, as long as everything adjusts accordingly, right? Like your, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. your best players are still your best players. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that yeah. that works, but I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I like that they're adjusting some things again. I, I guess they'll go back to safety as well. Like I said. Yeah, no, it's interesting. The adjustments that are being made and they're also deadening the ball after a 60 game season in 2020. And that kind of leads into what uh, we saw in an article. I actually pulled this one from the New York Times talking about the 2021 uh, health and uh, safety protocols for baseball moving forward and some in-game adjustments that are either staying or going. Um, But, dude, it's kind of crazy. This is just in one article. James Wagner of the New York Times gave me this much fodder. And I don't know if we have enough time to go through all of it because it's almost a full length page of just things that I wrote down that I found fascinating. But does the uh, catcher have to wear a mask? (laughs) That's still enough. Get it? (laughs) Yeah. How many masks? That's a trick question. How many masks does a catcher have to wear? That's right. I like. I mean, according to the CDC, you got to wear at least three now. So he'll wear a mask and a shield and then a mask. Yeah, and supply maybe hopefully an ox like a scuba tank so he can get some oxygen through all that mess. Umpire can't be as close to him because he's wearing the like that big hump on his. Oh yeah, dude, that'd be hilarious. He's got the old like navy like dive mat helmet on. Has to open the front, strike, close it back up. (laughs) Oh man, off the rails. Okay, so you ready for this? There's some interesting ones. Uh, they all have a five-day quarantine before they get to spring training. How about this one, dude? This one screamed desperation to play some games in spring training. There is an opportunity for the in the first two weeks of spring training that both teams can agree to shorten the games to five innings or seven innings. Oh, please, dear God, do that. More golf. Like, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I don't about. have to get on that bus. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Blummer, normally you're going to sub in in the seventh inning and play the seventh, eighth, ninth. We're not going to have you off the bench. You're good. We're going to just shorten it to five. We're going to take 20 dudes. When the yep. pitchers are done, we're exactly. done. Exactly. No, you <laughs> nailed it. The 20-man roster is going to go over there. You're going to play your five and get out of Dodge. It's going to be Get out beautiful. of Dodge. That's actually a good thing. So. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, even for the minor league guys that get, have a chance to play in these games, oh, I, I, love, I love you, but – you know, five to seven inning games in the first two weeks, absolutely beautiful. Yep. Uh, they're going to be wearing contract tracing devices, much like the NFL and the NBA do, because I think that they've had, and a lot of this is probably because the NBA and NFL have had so much success in figuring this thing out and trying to limit the, uh, the contact uh, going on. Mask violations will be uh, fined after their third offense of being told to wear it properly. And that also opens up the opportunity for new positions in baseball. 
if you want to be in professional baseball, you can apply for the following jobs. Con infection control prevention coordinator, a compliance officer who must be an assistant general manager or higher ranking, a contact tracing officer, a contact tracing working group, and at least one face mask enforcement officer. So ooh, that's ooh. awesome. That's what I want. I want to be the face mask. Like I would, I would have, I want to work for the Kansas city chiefs though, and make sure Andy Reid wears his face. Appropriate. I'd be like, bro, that is not worried. Get rid of it. Get rid of the underwear mask. <laughs> he had a banana hammock on his face, which I think I texted. <laughs> Could you explain banana hammock for the fans at home? <laughs> oh, I am not explaining banana hammock, but I will say, why are you wearing a speedo on your face? Oh man! <laughs> like he took the speedo. Oh my god! You know what's funny? That's our next clothing line. We got to get in touch with Mark at Ram Shirts and say, look, we want speedos that are that have Kansas City Chiefs logos on it, and you can wear it. Oh around man! And go, Is that a speedo? No, no, no. It's Andy Reid's mask. I'm just wearing it the, the yeah, right way. It, it's versatile. You can wear it upstairs or yeah. downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Just, <laughs> anyway, again, we, we went off the rails, but I do not want. How would you like to be the 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 mask? The mask. What is that? What's the last job on there? The Face mask, mask enforcement, enforcement officer. officer. Because you're you're taking money from guys. You're going around going, your mask isn't right. I'm writing you up. Do you do you have to wear a badge for that? that let, I'm going to draw the logo for the badge. I mean, of course they're going to be and more a whistle. jobs provided here. Yeah, but I know it's funny to watch those guys on the bench with the mask pulled down, like they got a like a, a Quaker yeah. beard. Like that's the guy you got to go. Like, hey, Tyron, pull your mask up. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was actually a lot of fun. Uh, some of the stricter rules that are going to be put in place are uh, they are barred from indoor gatherings of 10 or more, which I think actually may benefit them on the road. If, you know, at least one player has got to get a sweep and, you know, cause you miss the, the camaraderie of, of the game going out to dinner or going to the yeah. bar after a game and talking baseball or doing whatever. But I mean, I heard last year in 2020, you know, they, they were basically locked in their rooms and I'm sure they probably went to each other's rooms, but I mean, does, at least open it up for the opportunity to do that, right? And hang out with each other. Does the dugout count as a gathering of 10 or more? I know. No, and that was my first thought, too. I'm like, it's like, I'm like, you can do it at the field, the but you dugout. can't do it at the hotel. Whatever. Oh, anyway, whatever. especially if right. they're wearing those devices. The other thing about the contact yeah, tracing thing that's interesting is that, um, again, I keep going back to the Super Bowl because it was just last weekend, but uh, they talked about how the, the Buccaneers came together when they couldn't come together, which is really interesting because you're right. They did a lot of zoom calls. They didn't have any like team dinners or any sort of like get togethers, at least that we know about. So maybe that's the other yeah. way around it is like, Hey. Yeah. Indoor dining is off limits, bars, lounges, clubs, movie theaters, casinos. And this one really grosses me out. Bowling alleys. Shouldn't that, I mean, that's almost off limits as it is. Oh, uh, that was off limits before COVID, yeah, right? When you yeah, get gum your on your finger. hand, like. <laughs> but the other thing is, pitchers shouldn't be in there bowling anyway, right? Like, how'd you no. hurt your rotator cuff? Oh, right. It was that. How'd that you strain ninth, your UCL? That ninth, that ninth frame when I tried to. <laughs> hey, dude, have you been to a bowling alley that keeps track of the miles per hour of your ball going down the lane? No. Oh my gosh, you've got to find one of these because. There's one nearby here back. I mean, shoot, when we first moved here, we went bowling back when I took a chance. And uh, 
it had the, I, I looked up and it said like 18 and I'm going, what is that? And I threw another one. It said 18 again, but it said MPH next to it. Oh, and you were like, so guess what I did yeah. every, every Chuck after that. Yeah. You're like, you, uh, Blummer, you bowled a 32, but that last one was 40 miles an hour. Okay, sweet. I got it in the rail, but I, I rolled it down there 40. No, that's what my daughters were like, dad, I beat you. I'm like, yeah, but did you roll it at 32 miles an hour? I did. That, I did. And you know what's funny? It, well, Dad, you didn't really row it. That roll it. That thing flung about halfway down there. Um, but it landed with but, a thud. Yeah. So that was the funny thing when some of the new ballparks came into existence with the radar guns. They weren't there, obviously, when we started playing, yeah. and certainly not in college. My favorite was guys would throw a pitch, and then they do the turnaround and they look up, and you're like, "You're yep. okay." You're like, "94." <laughs> yeah. Do they still do it, man? Are you yeah. kidding me? Watching this show all the time, I'm like. Ooh, that ball jumped out of my hand. <laughs> yeah, they just look right away. Like, it's so funny. Oh, and we, we can't get away from it. Now I got to find a bowling alley. And, like, hey, and it's going to kill you because you're going to chuck it. And the next day, like this part of your forearm is just going to be like cramped. My, like arm, my arm already hurts. <laughs> exactly, dude. All right. So, so bowling alleys are off limits and unapproved fitness centers, which makes sense. But if you're willing to get out of your hotel and go someplace, you can go to a museum. Or a park. That's permitted. Yeah, museum or, or park. Zoo. Uh, so outdoor dining is legal and golf is permitted if, here it is, the caveat, if in walking distance. So it also tells you in this article, uh, most uh, cases last year were a result of contact with family members, partners, or friends who have been come in contact with COVID. So obviously these rules aren't exactly imposed on family members, but they're encouraged. Mm -hmm. um, some things still in place for the 2021 season is seven inning double headers, which we all love. I think the players approve of that too. And my least favorite is the run around second base and extra innings because Tuttle loves giving up unearned earned runs. Um, and uh, the universal DH is still not in play. So it'll be National League, American League rules. The roster will be set at 26 active players. They will have a taxi squad. And in September, instead of 30 players, they'll have 28. That's kind of the, the bulk of what I read as far as those rules are concerned. Right. And I also it believe – oh, go ahead. Nope, no, go ahead. you go ahead. I was going to oh, say, I, it, doesn't want... seem, it doesn't seem that different from last year. I mean, in that regard. Um, I don't mm -hmm. mind the extra inning thing. We've talked about that before. Um, but – you know, there are going to be some restrictions, but it looks like they're trying to get all the games in. And, you know, I think now we know, I, again, the Super Bowl just keeps jumping out because it's the most recent sporting event. But uh, my kids walked in when the game was starting, like, look at all those fans. And I said, no, 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 that's cardboard. <laughs> mostly I said, look, there's, you could tell at the halftime show where the people put up the lighters and mm -hmm. you're like, there's cardboard, cardboard. And then you see a lighter and a lighter and a lighter. Their, their cell phones yeah. not lighters anymore. That dates myself too. Like Man, you're making us look old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get your zipper anyway, out. So, so I think that that, you know, we're going to get back to some normalcy. I think some of those things are, you know, I mean, they put these in place. Um, I guess you can say that MLB is helping the economy by providing new jobs. So that's great. Cause I, I know someone above <laughs> above the assistant GM level that's going to want to be, I want to be the compliance officer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. No, it'd be interesting. No, I, yeah. Who knows? I mean, and again, everything is, is very fluid and pliable. I mean, if, if they need to make adjustments on these things, they will. 
the Toronto Blue Jays don't know where they're playing their home games next year because of Canada's rules. And then there's also something at the end of the uh, end of the um, protocols that say that they can do neutral site playoffs and World Series at the end of the year, too. So that's always an option. But I think a lot of what I'm hearing and I don't know what you've been hearing, but a lot of what I've been hearing is, you know, that that all star break is going to be a key moment not just for uh, baseball, but for the United States in the back, in the idea of the vaccine. Because I think once we get to that July, mid-July all-star break and, you know, hopefully things have gone well enough to the, get to that point, but then the vaccine, is it available? Who has it? Who doesn't? Can fans come in? How does it affect players? Do players get it? You know, how do they handle all of that? So I would really keep an idea, and I, I keep an eye on what's happening. And then at that all-star break, just be ready for maybe, a, you know, maybe some more expansion or, you know, lessening of protocol, which would be kind of fun to, fun to see. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. I mean, we do keep using the words. I use it at work. We use it with our families and friends, you know, like, oh, when things get back to normal, like, you know, it's slowly but surely creeping that way. And I don't know what normal mm. is. And maybe we're going to have a new normal. Like maybe we'll wear a mask to the grocery store for the rest of our lives or certainly on an airplane. Um, yeah. You know, that most people, you know, especially from uh, the Far East, were doing already before, you know, COVID even hit. So um, we may have some changes, but I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the All-Star break would be a great time to uh, to um, maybe look to like kind of get back to reality uh, or, you know, the reality as we as we know it. I, uh, I think I mentioned this before, but my mom is going to be bulletproof. I think by then she uh, she had COVID. She had the antibodies when she gave blood, and now she's uh, taken the second dose of the vaccine this week. So, I mean, if, if yeah, I mean, if, if she's she the next can, Marvel character, there you go. If she can get through all that stuff, it's like, all right, now bring it on, people. I mean, you know, but she's, you know, she got the vaccine. I know a lot of people are getting vaccine. I got a letter from my company being involved in medical um, endeavors uh, where I'm allowed to go get the vaccine or at least make an appointment mm -hmm. for it. So, um, you know, and we're, what are we in February right now? So I think yeah. certainly July is a good, is a good time frame to look at, uh, at, um, you know, like you said, maybe, yeah. maybe reevaluating where they stand with those protocols and maybe that compliance officer, the mass compliance officer gets fired at that time, which boy, that yeah, would wouldn't be that be nice. No offense, but, yeah. uh, yeah, baseball, maybe they would just reassign them. Yeah. And I think it would be a real opportunity for baseball to kind of take the lead in that and be uh, be able to adapt to the situation uh, and, and maybe put on a good face for this thing moving forward. And it would be, a, you know, representing other sports around the, the world that are trying to get back into doing things that are more regular operating procedure. But the operating procedure on this podcast says that it is time for what I'll tell say. Well, I think we took up a lot of time with mailbag and all that stuff. I am going to do a quick what'll Tuttle say, and I'm just going to rehash from four or five podcasts ago what uh, what I said about the the electric bikes because I'm telling you we are going to have <laughs> a we're going to have some catastrophe tragedy something and then it's going to get fixed. There's no regulation. I said I think my my comparison was when they said the internet was like the wild frontier, right? Like the wild wild west. I mean, mm -hmm. I got. 12 year olds in our neighborhood riding on sidewalks with no helmet, like backwards, you know, and you're like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, dude, it's flying. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to relive that whole thing, but, and I, Oh, I, I have a neighbor, an adult who got an electric bike and told me I got to get one. They're so cool. He's got like the, uh, the version of not a, not a 
not a electric assist mountain bike, but a real like electric bike. Like a, it's like a motorcycle, dude. Thing goes 30 <laughs> miles an hour. Oh my god! And gosh. so it looks fun. Yeah, it looks fun, but you don't need to get it licensed or registered. But man, the more 13, 14, 15 year old kids I see like doubling, riding around on that thing with no helmets or even with a helmet is making me nervous. So, you know, I don't know. It's not a public service announcement, not the greatest what will Tuttle say, but man, I'm just telling you, this is the second time I brought it up. It's uh, it's nerve wracking, people. Please yeah. tell you one more thing to watch out for. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, but that's that's all I got. Um, okay. Yeah, it's been it's been good to get together as always. You got something for us? Do you have a um, Valentine's Day gonna... home run or do you have another? Wow. No, man, Valentine's. Screw that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, my bomb, my Blum's blast is, and I keep going back to the World Series when uh, Blake Snell was taken out of that game, and I'm just thinking about not having fans in the stands. Um, maybe something we can talk about in a in a in a future podcast is the betting in sports because I keep seeing it in golf where they actually had a dedicated channel to, uh, to betting on golf, which I thought was fascinating and not having fans in the stadium. you got to find a way to create that interaction. Um, and, you know, with streaming services now and things like that, you can kind of adjust your broadcast accordingly, which I think is fascinating, but uh, it also piques my interest as far as, you know, where, how far is too far or how far can you go? Or is this even a, a plausible idea? But then I started to think about Blake Snell for some reason, because I got on the analytic kick and we talked about Jeff Passan's art or no, not Jeff Passan. Uh, Theo Epstein had that quote saying that, you know, analytics is ruining baseball. And it made me think fantasy sports, uh, fantasy baseball has ruined baseball because now, you know, it's turned analytic geniuses who can compute project and and uh, predict what guys are possibly going to do and it's put them in the front office now because they're projecting win pop probabilities and i just feel like that's where it's kind of gone the analytics has been a gen you know has genesis or cr was created through fantasy sports and now it's found its way into baseball early and now gms are actually doing that but uh the beauty of sport, I think, for you and I, Tuttle, is the fact that every time we go out there, there's there's an opportunity for greatness or there's an opportunity for failure. And that's kind of where sport, I think, intrigues a lot of fans is the, the probability of what in the hell could possibly happen next. We don't want to have that predictive uh, outcome. We want to see the anticipation of a Garrett Cole against a George Springer and say, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? If he connects, it's going to go a mile. That's what we live for. We don't live for the predictiveness of sport. And analytics has removed all that chance from, from uh, how they're how they're making teams and how they're going out managing sometimes too. But that was just my thought. How fantasy baseball has kind of uh, injected itself into the everyday game. It it absolutely has, and I and I think that's a really good thought because I don't think we've ever talked about that on the podcast before. But I will say a couple of things to that. One is. Um, <clears throat> We've talked about many, many podcasts ago about how to kind of make baseball the, you know, the front runner for something, how to generate some more fan involvement and to make it more yeah. interactive. And I think we talked about the beginning of the pandemic because there weren't going to be fans in the stands. Um, the fantasy part, the probability part is, I mean, that certainly has a lot to do with gambling, but look at, you know, how many people bet on the Kansas City Chiefs for the Super Bowl, and then we saw the Bucks win. I mean, I, everybody liked that. I like that. I mean, unless mm -hmm. you're a Chiefs fan, because it made it, I would have liked to see a better game, but it made it 
uh, exciting to know that so many people thought they were right and they were wrong. This is and a I good answer. I like this. Well, but I think that's what you're, I mean, that's kind of what you're touching on is well, let's gamble on baseball, maybe in a different way. You know, I, mm-hmm. I do say this about like poker, right? You want to get your chips in the middle of the table with the best odds to win. That's fine. But you still don't know what the outcome is because they can pull a card anytime. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. That's why you like sports, but let's, let's gamble on baseball in a different way. Right? Like, I mean, let's make it uh, like the NFL or let's make it like uh, golf where, you know, DraftKings, you can have a lineup and you pick your five players or, I mean, there's gotta be a way to incorporate gambling in there. And that way the analytics do um, foster something, uh, you know, revenue streams and foster more interest like they do in the NFL. I mean, people would say the reason the injury report and the reason that, you know, you're, you're doubtful, questionable, let you know, like, I mean, all that stuff is valuable information that people use to grab an edge or, you know, have a thought. And then there still is that unpredictive outcomes, right? This is just about Mm -hmm. the best odds, but you know, I think what they've done to your point is they've taken the fantasy football P or fantasy baseball people that enjoyed it at Yale and Dartmouth and Harvard, and they've hired them now. And Mm -hmm. so when you hire them, it just kind of dulls the, um, it kind of dulls the prospect of um, not about uncertain outcomes, but it dulls the prospect of these people really engaging in the sport and getting the right players out there. And, you know, I mean, I Mm -hmm. think, I think the chances of Nuke Lelouch making it to the big leagues now are not as good because of, like you said, the predictive value. There's, so true. There's so many things that block these guys. And then the more predictive it is, like you said, the less kind of interest people have. And I think, you know, we said this last year and here's the perfect ending. The Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays were the two best teams in baseball. And yeah. that's why I say the expanded playoffs aren't the worst thing. If we find a way to weight it, weight it, that's the right mm-hmm. word, W-E-I-G-H-D, if we can weight it towards the teams that did have the benefit yeah. of playing a better it's regular a, season, let's have some unpredictability in there because that's why people will watch. I had a last thing. My barber said to me yesterday, he goes, um, he goes, what about the Dodgers? How do you think they're going to be this year? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like they've won the National League West seven years in a row. They just came <laughs> off winning the World Series. He's not a big sports guy, obviously, but it's like, I mean, they got to be the favorites. If they're not the mm-hmm. favorites, they're one of the top two. And that's the challenge with, you know, I felt like there was some parody in all the other sports. And right now there doesn't seem to be a lot of parody, which I think is kind of the underlying theme to what you brought up. Yep. No, that's good stuff. And a good, good rebuttal from Tuttle on that, uh, on the thoughts that I did have out there. It was just kind of one of those things that hit me this morning over my cup of coffee. But uh, it was it was a good show. I had a lot of fun talking this out with you. I hope all the fans out there are understanding that we are going to try and do more mailbag. The more mailbag we get, the more mailbag we do. So go to bleacherblums.com and uh, go to mailbags, you know, put in some comments and questions and uh, keep it clean and we'll get back to you. But uh, at the end of every podcast here on The Bleachers, we like to give a shout out to all the essential workers, all of the frontline workers, everybody out there that is still grinding through this process that we are in right now. Uh, firemen, policemen, all the military, everybody who stands in harm's way to make our lives a little bit better. We greatly appreciate you. Hey, who was it? Was it the morning show where somebody said, uh, get your get your pets spayed and neutered? Oh, it was uh, Bob Barker. Price is right. Uh, Price yeah. is right. So we're just going to start an uh, uh, end to our podcast, right? Besides, I mean, of course, we have to believe it, but let's uh, let's um, let's get vaccinated and get back to normal. How about that? Let's get vaccinated and get back to normal, folks. Yep, that's all I got. Just a different idea of spaying and neutering. 
win. Well, exactly. It is. All right. Anyways, get after it. Yeah. And believe right. it. <laughs> <laughs>